Welcome back to another episode of Zebo Talks. I'm your host, Davina Ramkasoon, Health and Wellbeing Director at Zebo Health. This morning, we will be talking to Anne-Marie Graham. Anne is a mindset and performance coach. She supports clients achieve their goals with a combination of techniques focused on amplifying mindset awareness strategies, individual growth and empowerment and habit formation. Welcome, Anne-Marie. It's great to have you here today. Thank you very much. It's been lovely to be here. So let's get started. I'm interested to hear um, if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you came to um, become a mindset and performance coach. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I'm a nurse by profession. Um, so I started my clinical uh, career in neuroscience back in 1997. So I've always been fascinated with, you know, the brain and how it works, the mind, why some people do what they do, why some people do so well and other people don't. So the coaching element as well, that was another thing that attracted me into neuroscience where it's very much about coaching because you're dealing with patients who may need to learn to walk again, talk again, you know, dress themselves, feed themselves. So there's a huge element of having to empower that in them to be able to, to change what they need to do. So that's that's really, I suppose, where it started. And then I, uh, I had my own health business for about 14 years and I've been doing the coaching then since 2015. And again, that came out of always being on kind of coaching and mentoring panels, even when I was in business myself. So it's just something that it, it's my area of passion, really, self-development, self-growth, and then empowering people to just get the best out of themselves because we all have infinite potential and such power that we, we don't use or maybe we don't realise. So that's that's really where, where my background has been. So fascinating. And definitely you can hear that passion coming through when you're speaking about it. Um, you know, the, the mindset success strategy that you use with your clients, are you able to share how you might work with clients um, for the listeners who have never heard of this approach mm-hmm. or aren't really familiar with coaching in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's kind of four key things that run through with all the clients I work with. The first thing I work with individuals or groups, um, so be it a corporate team, like a senior leadership team or individuals, um, is what is it that you really want? A lot of us, we either don't set a goal, we set a very safe goal that's not high enough, it doesn't stretch us, it doesn't grow us, it doesn't take us out of our comfort zone. Um, So that's one of the first things I get people to really look at. What is it you really want? Where is your passion? Where do you feel your purpose is? Are those things aligned in your life, the way you're living your life at the moment? So obviously career is a big part of it and workplace is a big part of it. Uh, Then we look at where, so our our thoughts are created in our mind. So in order to change behavior, we have to look at the way we think. So we find what we focus on and that comes from the way we think. So what I work with individuals on is, first of all, to identify what their thinking pattern is. And it's not just a case of is it positive or is it negative? We have what are called paradigms, which are basically mental programs that run underneath the surface. These were created for us in our little lives by our parents, by society, by schools, by, you know, friends, colleagues. Um, But they tend to drive our behavior and those behaviors become habits. So another thing that I get people to do very early on is look at what behaviours are serving them and helping them get towards a goal and what behaviours are not. Uh, Self-image is probably the biggest thing from a personal development space that I work 
with individuals on, that can be a very deep area for some people to go because that tends to, our, our self-image tends to control every single thing that we do. So we will never outperform a poor self-image consistently. You know, you can push with willpower and you can push with saying, I'm going to do it for 30 days or I'm going to do it for 60 days. But eventually our self-image, which is our self-belief, the way we see ourselves, what we talk to ourselves, the way we think about ourselves. For years, I confused self-image with when I look in the mirror, what do I see? But it's about so much more than that. So I go quite deep with people to look at where their self-image um, to where their self-image is. And then it's about accountability. So I look at, okay, what are you doing that's productive? What are you doing that's not serving you? And how can we do more of what's productive and eliminate and eradicate what's not productive? So it, it sounds like a very simple process. Um, but I mean, typically I work with people for a minimum of six months. Uh, now I work with some people for more depending on what the needs are but it does take six months to really get into because all of this stuff is in our subconscious mind our subconscious mind controls the behavior so our conscious mind is just our senses and we have so many thoughts flooding into our conscious mind every day we tend to just um react to a lot of them but we tend to respond to what's in our subconscious mind even though even though we might be aware of what that is so that's yeah. kind of a simplified version of of the process. But it's great that you're able to explain it in such um, simple terms um, for people who are thinking about, you know, is this the right time um, to think mm. about how I can come to making some of these changes. And I think the pandemic as a whole has made people really think about what they value how Usually. they're living their life, whether it's in alignment with that or whether there are changes um mm. that they would like to make and you know making mistakes and failing um, along this process of change is very common but it's also mm. vital to our development and in goal setting we know that it's that success is not always a linear process it's not always just setting that goal and then mm. the next week you've achieved it as you said it can take up to six months um, and sometimes longer. So just mm. in that, you know, how do you use these experiences, the failures and the mistakes and the setbacks to help clients um, in the coaching room and help them to still gain that momentum and make progress? Yeah, well, I suppose the first thing, um, and I quote it very often on my social media, I quote it in talks and workshops that I do. The word failure doesn't come into my vocabulary. It mm -hmm. doesn't come into my thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, for me, you either win or you learn. And when you frame it in that way, even if something as a perceived failure, and look, in my first business, there were a number of things that did not go the way I wanted them to go or they took longer. So rather than perceiving them as failure, I looked at, OK, what can I learn from this? What could I do differently that will get me nearer my goal more quickly? So I think if you if you take the learning from it and it's not, you know, it's not that I'm I, I'm not one of these uh, fans of this pop psychology of, you know, fake it till you make it. I hate that phrase. Um, I hate even the connotations of the word fake. But I think you have to act as if in your mind you are the successful person that you want to become. You have the successful life that you want to have. But I think you need to, it's not that you need to just eliminate and, and deny any negative emotion. I mean, we've all had emotions that have brought up maybe something negative, anger, sadness, frustration in the last 18 months. And it's about recognizing that negative emotion and how you're feeling and how it's sitting with you. But it's looking at what 
what can I learn from this and what can I do differently out of my learning? And that tends to prevent you from getting stuck in, in a period of negativity and getting stuck in a negative thought process because we become, I mean, we become what we think about most of the time. And, um, you know, psychology has proven it, theology has proven it, quantum physics has proven it. All of the leaders and the, you know, the thought leaders in this area have agreed on that one point that we become what we think about. So because our, our thoughts become our things, we need to be really careful what we put into our minds, particularly our subconscious mind because the subconscious mind in terms of our higher mental faculties our subconscious mind works only on deductive reasoning so it doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined so our conscious mind can accept or reject a thought our subconscious mind takes it as a fact um, and this is where self-image comes in um you know where if you're beating yourself up about something or you're saying oh i'm not good enough or it was such a failure that's what your subconscious mind believes if you're acting as if you're you're there already. That's what your subconscious mind believes. And it's much more compassionate as well to see that, you know, just that change of wording from failure to learning. Um, mm -hmm. It opens your mind to possibilities mm -hmm. as well, rather than narrowing it down by the sounds of um, Absolutely. what you're speaking about. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the one thing as well, sometimes people um, that I meet say oh you know your your approach seems maybe a bit soft and I'm the kind of person who maybe needs a bit more of a kick up the bum and you know I, I get those kind of phrases I mean by by the fact that I'm a nurse by profession empathy is, is something that I would pride myself as having but so I'm not afraid to deliver a bit of tough love if someone needs it but that tough love is from an empathetic place and it's from a place of what can you learn? What can you do differently? So it's not a case of the person saying, oh, it just didn't work out. It's like, no, no, let's let's look at how you could have done differently and how you could react or respond differently the next time. Comes back to that, um, putting the person back into that accountability seat as well, isn't yes, it? Yes, completely, completely. Yeah. Zevo Health is a fully integrated workplace wellbeing provider. We understand that the workplace is constantly changing and evolving and that every company has different goals and characteristics. We create researched and strategic corporate wellbeing programs based on the needs of your organization. We have a broad range of services available both online and on site that are designed to improve employees' overall wellbeing and increase engagement within the workplace. We aim to create the healthiest workplaces across the globe to ensure that your most important asset, your employees, are energised and thriving. Contact us today to start your workplace wellbeing journey. www.zevohealth.com So one of the other things that I've seen you speak about is uh, this faith over fear. Um, so are you able to talk to us a little bit more about how that might even that process might hold people back from making the first step and what might yeah. arise? So, I mean, we're programmed with a negativity bias. Thanks to a little caveman gland called the amygdala, we're programmed by fear. And actually, every action we take in life is designed to either take us towards pleasure or remove pain. So that fear um, mechanism is ingrained in us, it's built into us from a neurological perspective. Where faith comes into it is where you start to develop an awareness around what your beliefs are and how your beliefs are serving you and how you act out of those beliefs, what your habits are, what your behaviours are. So although fear can serve 
you know, if, if you're conserving a positive in terms of if someone's setting a goal and I don't feel there's any fear around the goal, I would say the goal is not big enough. So it's fine to have a little bit of fear because that's actually an automatic response that drives us. But it's around having faith. And, you know, what I say to people is we have faith every day. I mean, you have faith when you walk outside your door in the morning. You're not going to be run over by a double-decker bus. You have faith that when you drive on the motorway to go to meet a client or into the office, you know, you're not going to be mowed out of it. You have faith when you're in town shopping that you're not going to be mugged and robbed and attacked. You know, so we do actually have more faith than we realise but I think when it comes to faith in ourselves, and I think in Ireland, it's definitely a cultural thing as well. Having faith in yourself and belief in yourself is seen in some ways as, you know, big headed or, you know, getting above yourself. And I noticed that with US clients that I have, you don't tend to get that as much. They are OK feeling good about themselves. They are OK having belief. So that's, I think, where belief um, comes into it. And that's really um, acting out of faith over fear. So when you're acting out of faith, you have absolute belief that you have it within you to get whatever it is you want. Mm -hmm. And the two questions you have to ask yourself are, am I willing and am I able? So the am I able, you know, we're humans are the only species on the planet that have the ability to think. So by the fact that the thought process that we have that faculty, higher mental faculty, we are able, you know, if we look at things like inventions like the iPhone, the telephone, the car, the air, airplane, all of that all came from people sitting down and saying, I'm able to do this. I have a dream. I'm going to make it happen. The am I willing, I suppose, is the more important question. And that's not necessarily where the fear, the faith comes in. That's where you have to look at what am I willing to do? What am I willing to give up? to get what it is that I want. I hope that I hope that explains it. Definitely, it does. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that, you know, in their own life experiences. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's almost, um, it's a process. And I think that's the one thing to keep in mind as I'm listening to you, you won't get there overnight. It's step by step. Yeah. And that's where, that's where the growth comes from. And I mean, it doesn't matter you know, I suppose theology and science have both looked at this in terms of that our mind is motion, our mind is energy, we are particles, we are atoms, we are energy. And in order to get to a higher goal or a higher level of growth, you need to move that energy up. So you need to be putting more um, energy into whatever it is, whether it's your self-belief, whether it's the action that you take, whether it's your discipline. Um, but I, I think one of the ways that you can develop faith is through study and through reading because you develop understanding of yourself. And it all comes back to what level of awareness and understanding you have about yourself. The clients that I have that do the best, that are the most successful, that get the most out of the programs that I deliver are the ones that are willing to look within. So they're not blaming or complaining or they're willing to say, if it's to be, it's up to me. And they're willing to make that happen. It's very powerful and empowering when you think of it that way as well. It gives you back your choice um, to make yeah. that change. Yeah. Um, and one of the things actually, Jane, that's a, re- that's a really good um, way of putting it. Because one of the things that I get when clients say to me, uh, all I can't or I couldn't, it's, I always say, replace the word can't in your life with won't. And then it's very, very different. So there's a big difference between can and the people people can, but they don't. 
and people who actually can't do something. So if you replace your can'ts with won't, then it's a very different language and putting in, okay, this is up to me here, that can be part of the empowerment. Mm-hmm. And and in psychology and um, in mindfulness, we look quite a lot about the subconscious and these um, belief systems or thinking patterns that we might have and how they might hold you back or um, dictate your your behavioral responses or actions. And mm-hmm. it's it's interesting hearing the parallels in in that and how and how you work. Um, would there be any specific techniques that you might use to help someone become more aware of their subconscious thinking patterns and how it's directing their behavior? The, the, one of the main things that you can do, so where this has been tested through quantum physics, um, one of the the highest level of vibration that our body can be in is in a positive thought process. And this has been measured with hundreds of studies on it. One of the easiest ways to put yourself in a positive vibration quickly is to do gratitude, to, to write out five or 10 things every single day that you're grateful for. And that allows you to focus on positivity. It allows you to bring a positive energy. So if, if we were to, to hook you up to mechanical equipment and test your vibrational level, and again, as I said, there's been hundreds of studies done on it, vibration will raise when you're in positive thought. So gratitude is a really, really effective way to to get yourself into a positive state. Because it, it again, it gets you to focus on what's positive in your life as opposed to we focus on what's what's there as opposed to lack. Mm-hmm. So that that's one of the simple, most effective uh, tools that you can do. The other thing that I would get people to do is I get them to focus on affirmations of what it is they want. So I suppose affirmations became kind of very popular with the law of attraction. And I think the law of attraction, actually, there's a lot of people who talk about the law of attraction and discuss the law of attraction who don't necessarily understand it. So in terms of universal laws, um, the law of attraction is actually a secondary law, the law of vibration. So the law of vibration states that we either, you know, everything is movement. So Mm -hmm. we're either creating or we're disintegrating. So it's the primary law. So when we're writing out affirmations about what it is we want, but we're seeing them in the present instance if we already have them again if you were to be hooked up to mechanical equipment as you do that your vibrational state would rise so the vibration of the body would actually um rise significantly when you're doing things like that and again it's because you're going to affirm what you want in the positive in, in a positive you're not going to talk about what you don't want if you're mm. talking about what you do want you're seeing it as something that you you already have that's positive vibration yeah, it's very interesting how you speak about that, um, because you, you spoke earlier about that stuckness and, you know, other language that we've heard in that I've heard in counselling and therapy sessions is um, it's overwhelming. I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't do it, as you mentioned earlier. Um, it's not possible. And and just kind of applying what you said to those situations, you can see um, how debilitating, how paralyzing it can be to even consider that you might have a different choice or a different path that you can walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think hearing that is, is, um, is really, it, you know, it gives a simple strategy for people to, to start with. Um, 
what would you say and and have you ever come across this where an individual is saying you know times are so tough right now I don't I don't there isn't anything that I can feel grateful for or I'm just at this point where everything is just so challenging uh, and I'm finding Mm -hmm. it so hard to cultivate that feeling Mm -hmm. yeah I mean that is common at the moment because there's a fairly high level of anxiety and the problem with anxiety is that people try to suppress anxiety and eventually that's going to manifest in physical form and form as a potential for a depression because as you suppress it it's still there vibrationally in the body it's still there if someone were to say that to me i would i would challenge them to look at something in their life even by the fact that they're still alive today Mm. so the fact that you and i woke up this morning and we have the power to be alive and to you know control our day and what we do and there are people who maybe didn't wake up this morning or there are families who lost someone this morning you know so i would always get them to to challenge at the most basic level the fact that they're alive now obviously if if there are mental health concerns around someone who can't even get to that point and they feel so overwhelmed that they're not sure that's not an area you know where i'd be talking about doing a gratitude list that's mm-hmm. somebody who needs to refer for psychological help um but for for the most part i've i've never i've never encountered that in my years of coaching where somebody couldn't be at least positive mm-hmm. uh, about one thing or it could be a family member it could be a pet it could be nature you know usually if you look within you'll be able to find something mm. and it be is, grateful for. yeah and you're right there Anne-Marie in the sense of um that this especially in the pandemic the simple things you know having a house maybe having mm-hmm. food those those mm-hmm. those things that we might not even pay attention to during the working or mm-hmm. you know general day um and you're and and thank you for raising that point on um, the mental health piece you know mm-hmm. if there is an underlying mental health condition coaching you know at that moment in time might not be the first thing that they need it no yeah yeah and or particularly if there's any kind of suicidal thoughts or tendencies mm-hmm. or someone feels so overwhelmed that they don't feel there's anything in their life that they can mm-hmm. be grateful for that's probably a little bit of a red light that they need more help than coaching mm-hmm. yeah you know exactly and and in your time as um, a coach and, and doing this work, what are the most uh, common goals that people come to you to work on? I know you mentioned self-image earlier. Is there any other key themes that you've identified in all the years? I think it's 20 years you've been doing this now, isn't it? Yeah, uh, for the most part, it's either probably career or maybe a business goal. So I, some of the people I work with are self-employed. So their goals are usually around their business growth the type of business they want to grow, the revenue, the lifestyle they want to have, or career. You know, one of the things I notice, and I feel it's so sad, is that there are so many people who are not happy in their jobs. They're not fulfilled in their jobs. They don't feel their jobs are aligned with their purpose. Their jobs don't give them meaning. And I just think if there's anyone listening to this that is in that position, life is so short. We have one throw of the dice. And you, any one of us can do what we love to do. Any one of us can, um, you know. And I mean, there were so many aspects of nursing that, that I loved, but things like the hours, um, you know, the shift work, the night duty, the politics, they were things that I knew were not, I was not going to be able to stay in clinical long term. 
but I knew helping people was something that I loved and you coaching was something that I loved. So it's around finding where, what can you do that's aligned with what gives you meaning and what gives you purpose. So career and business would probably be the main two. The other thing uh, sometimes people will come to me to work on is maybe a health goal. Um, so just overall, their overall health in terms of where they are in their life and how they're feeling. Um, that would be another um, thing, but probably more often than not, it would be career. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's really um, interesting what you say, because I always say, you know, we spend the majority of our lives at work. Um, and before when we were in the office, you know, you'd be with your uh, colleagues more of the week than you would you know, maybe be seeing your extended relatives or your immediate family if you're not living with them. So it is important that, you know, people do feel that there there is somewhere and uh, a place and a career that may fit their their lifestyles much better. Um, And if and I think one of the other things that is common is this um, intrepidation around the amount of time that it will take to achieve the goal. And there's yeah. a lot of pressure around what age are you right now? What are the goals that society has for you that you're meant to reach or certain milestones that you're meant mm-hmm. to reach as by certain ages and mm-hmm. whether you're matching those societal standards or not. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see that as a as one of the main blockers to someone um, engaging in coaching? Yeah, it can be. It can be. And yet, um, two two of my mentors, um, Bob Proctor is one of my mentors, 87 years of age, Jack Canfield, who I've stu- and I've studied both of these guys for 20 plus years. Uh, you know, Jack is in his early to mid 70s. So it, age, any anything is a barrier if you let it be. Mm. Um, and that's the bottom line, whether it's your age, whether it's your height, whether it's your culture, whether it's the color of your skin, if you allow it to be a barrier, it's going to be a barrier. Um, and, you know, and I, I look at myself in that uh, when I started my health business back in 2004, so I'd come back from the UK where workplace health was very nurse-led to a country where it was totally doctor-led. Now, people thought, particularly in nursing, that I had lost my mind when I said, I'm going to set up a nurse-led practice and I'm going to have it operating all over the country within 10 years. If I had five euro for every person who kind of looked at me and thought, I don't know where Anne-Marie's going with this. I would be in the Bahamas now on my own yacht. Um, so it that that could have been a barrier. So yes, it was very doctor-led. Yes, there was a lot of education in workplaces around a nurse-led service. But it wasn't impossible. So I didn't let it become a barrier. I had no business experience. I failed business studies in secondary school. I was told to do home economics, which was all about cooking and sewing. I can do neither. I've been out which cook and I guess so so I had no bit didn't come from a business background didn't study business I don't have an MBA I don't have anything like that you know I was a nurse professional when I started in business and I just learned to communicate with people and talk to people and just you know be of be of service really to people so again I could have thought oh well you know I'm not academic I don't have a business qualification and I could have let that be a barrier I coach some business owners who have business qualifications fallen off the end of the business card and they can't sell you know, so anything can be a barrier if you let it, but anything can be wiped out as a barrier if you choose to to frame it in that. And it's all to do with the way we think. You know, what I say to people all the time is we find what we focus on. If you look for the positive, you will find something. If you look for the negative, you'll find that. We always find what we focus on. So 
if we are focused on things being a barrier and we think of them as a barrier, that's exactly what they're going to be. Um, if we look at them as an opportunity to learn, to grow, to change, to progress, that's exactly what they're going to be. Yeah, it, it's very true. And I think as well, um, in combination to what I'm hearing you say, it's also important to have those people around you who can help guide you. So whether it's a coach, whether it's bringing that inner potential out of you, whether it's yeah. getting someone who has that business um, knowledge who can coach you in that area, it, it's mm-hmm. important to, to pull that in as well and, and have some additional support. So I guess it's that sense of, yes, the potential is within you. But you don't yeah. have to know everything. But that's why we have society. We have tribes. We have, you know, communities. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you're the average of the people you spend the most time with. So you need to also kind of check in with if you're spend, you know, spending time with people who are negative and people who are all way at work. That that's going to very much reduce your own kind of vibrational energy, if you like, around any goal or any project. Now, it's not always easy to eliminate those people. Um, I'm thinking of a client that I worked with recently, and she had a dream of leaving a you know a very well paid corporate job that she was miserable in uh, to start a passion based business that she just really, really has dreamed about all her life, and she didn't have buy in from her husband, and she didn't have buy in from her kids. So I was like, okay, well, you can't eliminate them unless obviously you want to, but it's probably not advisable. So let's look at where you can just put a little protective bubble around yourself to make the project work, you know. And again, it's sometimes you need a coach to bring out um, a different perspective. It's not that it's not that you don't have the ability yourself, but sometimes you need to see the ability yourself and you need to be pushed a little bit out of your comfort zone to actually get the growth and that's where the success happens um, when you're growing. Yeah and growth is change and um, I've seen through both personal and um, professional experience how when you start to change your groups sometimes change with you Um, Mm -hmm. you might have people leave your life new people come in and it's that rebalancing that occurs so mm-hmm. it's interesting as well there's a sense of people may experience a perceived sense of loss as they go through this change and I've seen mm-hmm. in you know the 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 counseling side of things when people are going through changes they're changing behaviors um it's creating a ripple effect across other areas of their life yeah yeah mm-hmm. and I think the way Wayne Dyer puts it is brilliant where he says if um if you don't change the way you look at things, the way you look at things are not going. To, the, way, the things are not going to change. And sometimes when we change the way we look at things, things change, and that can bring challenges as well. Exactly like what you were talking about, but that can that's usually aligned with with growth too. It is indeed. Well, Amory, thank you so much for today. I'm wondering, do you have any closing um, comments that you want to make just for anyone who might be on the fence and, you know, really thinking about um, if they want to make a change, where would you advise them to start? I would say the first thing, one of the things that I offer is I offer um, a free 30 minute strategy session to people um, it's a no obligation I don't do a big sales push after it you won't be hounded with emails but um, you can go to the calendar on my website which is mindsetsuccessstrategies.com but I would say the first place to start is look at what it is you really want 
what is it that you really want your life to look like? What does success in your life look like for you? And that could be business. It could be career. It could be relationships. It could be time off travel. It, it, it's going to be different for everyone. And then I, I use the on a scale of 10, on a scale of one to 10. I use that so often. So with one being I'm nowhere near where I want to be and 10 being I'm exactly where I want to be. Where are you on that scale? And that will give you an idea of where you need to go, how much growth there needs to be, where learning needs to come from. And just take one action every day. If you take one action every day, you'll have done 365 things in the next year. The chances of you being closer to what it is you want if you've done 365 things to get there is pretty high. And the gratitude, I think, particularly at the moment, just focus on five or ten things every day that you're grateful for. And really, not just about it's not just about writing a laundry list or like a shopping list. Really, um, develop feeling and emotion around those things. That they would be my my two tips. Set your goal and do your gratitude. Thank you, Anne Marie. I could talk to you all day. It's been great hearing you talk about your approach and the work that you're so clearly passionate about in helping people to achieve their potential. Um, so thank you for joining us today. Thanks a million. And thank you to you, the listener, for listening to another episode of Zevo Talks. <laughs>